0: on today's episode of the nifty nick show i'm excited to have on keel and gabriel from bit labs the team behind the nft collectibles called dream loops i own a few of them including the song that's playing right now in the background in this episode we discussed how a las vegas dj and alt rock artist came together to create this collection the shows all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of nfts and as usual today's guests are no exception so let's get started
1: if you're looking for some crypto you just found the right spot we wrap it up one of a kind nft straight to the top now don't go trading based on comments we provide in this show it's not investment advice but our picks do tend to blow up like a rocket they say many people have compared it to people's every day so if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space please do not worry your boy nifty nick is hot on the case
0: All right, so I'm here with Keel and Gabriel from Bitlecture Labs. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you for having us, Nick. So maybe we can kick things off uh, first with sort of setting the context. Actually, m- maybe let's just describe, you know, uh, the project, which is what brought me uh, here in the first place. I'm actually thinking of including uh, the sound. I bought one of your NFTs. I'm thinking of including it uh, in, in the actual uh, intro to, the, to this episode. Uh, but I'm curious, like, uh, wh- where did this come from? Um, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll give
2: a rundown. Also, I can gift you a couple extras uh, to give you a few options on the song so you can hear a few different types. But um, where did it come from? So, uh, you know, Keel and I have been friends for many years. Um, we've both been cryptocurrency nerds uh, for a number of years as well probably early adopters dating back to 2013 2014 and we saw this recent boom in nfts you know i've you know i've been appraised and aware of them since you know the early crypto kitty days in 2017 2018 but we were looking at the the landscape and we were like what would we do if we were to make one and we're both music nerds uh keel's obviously a professional musician i come from um a performing um background of being a dj on the las vegas strip playing nightclubs and doing my own remixing and things and we're also you know hardcore old school video gamers Uh, keel can speak to his love of um, old school pixel art and visual aesthetics from that era but uh, we had this idea of doing um, digital pixel art combined with retro style chiptunes produced by by keel himself and uh, thought well i feel like that's not enough like i i I love a lot of projects, I collect a lot of projects, but I thought, what can we do to add a little more utility to this to make them a little more valuable in just an intrinsic sense? So we thought we'd give someone a chance to actually unwrap a uh, physical copy that they could redeem after a small staking period. So we we added on the physical component, which uh, is essentially that 20% of the dream loops in the Bitlectro Labs launch. Uh, can be redeemed for uh, physical media, either a vinyl record or a cassette that will contain a number of the musical compositions from the collection. So that was that was the progeny of that. We wanted to make it something that uh, we ourselves as NFT collectors would actually consume. And uh, this hit all the buttons for me, frankly.
0: So the project, I, you know, I've checked it out. It, it, it came at such an interesting time in this NFT boom. I feel like you all actually... Uh, Took We're writing we're pre what I would say right now is sort of an avatar moment uh, when everyone is yeah. flipping a bunch of different avatars. But the level of effort that your project involved, I'm sort of curious, Keel, like how long did it take to produce all of these clips? Uh, Well, let's see. The music, uh, it, it consists of
1: stuff that I've been working on for uh, years. I mean, there's songs in there that are probably like, you know, 17 years old that i just uh remixed and put through my nes cartridge and turned into a chiptune so uh as far as the music's concerned it's it's been a work in progress for a long time uh, a lot of it's stuff that i wrote you know for this project a lot of it's demos for uh bands that i play in whether it be star or one of my other projects uh and some of it is uh like already existing songs like there's a few uh 8-bit versions of some Starfucker songs in there. Uh, so yeah, the music, as I was converting everything to chiptunes, that probably took about three or four months. Uh, the pixel art I've been working on probably since January. I mean, a lot of the stuff in there too is stuff that I've made in the past that kind of fit in with the the vibe that I was going for. But I'd say uh, to create all of the pixel art and uh, export it and get everything randomized and programmatically generated, it probably took about four months, four to five months total. That's a decent amount (laughs) of time. And is that full time? yeah yeah i'd say i was working on pixel art like every day for several months and yeah (laughs) working on music uh when i got tired of doing that so it was yeah i mean you know i haven't been on tour in a year and a half so i've got a lot of free time right now because the band uh we're working on a new record but uh this kind of has been what
2: i've
0: been focused on primarily wow okay so this started when did the project officially launch i feel like that was earlier this month
2: yeah, uh, June thirteenth was our actual you know, minting date. Um, however, we'd been sort of conceiving and working on it for basically the four months uh, prior, like with the initial ideas really happening in January, February, and then you know going into full speed, both art production and then you know onboarding developers to help us with uh, the smart contract programming and uh, all of our backend stuff that adds the additional features, you know, like the unwrapping as well as the um, the redemption component, which involves an ERC-20 token. So there's addition, additional programming for that. Yeah. So about about four or five months, really.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so uh, in terms of this contract, man, I actually have a bunch of questions about this, but uh, absolutely, l- l- we, we'll go down a number of rabbit holes here. Uh, I, I want to jump into the technical side, but actually real quick, the ter- you keep using the term chiptunes. tunes. I had never heard of that uh, previously. It just sounds like eight bit eight bit music to me. But but what uh, what does the term chiptunes tunes actually mean?
1: Uh, you know, chiptunes are just something that's produced uh, almost exclusively on like retro uh, voice chips. So like uh, this was all done on an NES, which uh, is pretty limited. It only has like I think four voices and maybe a wave channel on the newer like cartridges but uh yeah so chip tunes are pretty much music produced on vintage chips so whether it be a chip in a Commodore 64 or an NES or a Sega Genesis Super NES that kind of is what qualifies something as a chip tune but uh yeah, yeah. they're not always exclusively made on those chips but uh these were made on an NES everything
2: I think, I think that's one of the fun aspects to ours because you can emulate uh, chiptune sounds with synthesizer packs for modern pieces of software like Ableton Live or Logic. However, Keel actually processed the songs uh, through a modified NES cartridge that basically bound them to the actual constraints. I think actually, he could show you <laughs> somewhere. Yeah.
0: So, so what do you plug in? Do you plug in a MIDI keyboard into your NES? Like, how does that work? Uh,
1: yes. Well, I actually I was running because I write most of my music in Ableton Live, so I'm outputting MIDI from Ableton Live into the NES. This is the cartridge. It's called a mini MIDI NES, and it's this is the MIDI cable coming out. So you run the MIDI cable into you know your modern computer, and you output you
0: output all the MIDI and choose all the voices on the NES. Wow, that that's uh, pretty interesting. It's also cool. I'm assuming that's a uh, a, a modified cartridge that recently got developed by like people who are passionate about the space or has that been a long, uh, around for a long time?
1: Uh, it was made, I think, in 2008. They're actually super hard oh, wow. to find. And I got lucky, found one on eBay uh, a couple years back. But yeah, there's there's I don't think there I think there's probably less than a thousand of them in existence. But that's yeah, pro- very,
0: very <laughs> excited to get this little guy. It's just an <laughs> NES cartridge. Um, yeah, that's incredible. And you definitely hear it like in some of you, you hear some of the static sounds. I don't know how else to describe it, uh, which are the moments that you'd hear in I'm blank RC pro am was one game that I thought of. There were some other ones, uh, that came to mind where, where the sound effects in these clips were actually there. Some of them I noticed, and it really depended on the clip. I went through and like found one that I was like, Oh, this is a good loop. Uh, and, and so I got that particular one and just bought it for that. Uh, like, yeah, cause it's interesting. And this is the the thing with, um, your collections. Well, actually let's discuss the technical and then we can actually discuss the, uh, the output of all of this in a, in a moment, which is something that you just said was the ERC 20 token and staking. What's the logic for this? Like, did this happen? Did you do a custom contract, ERC-721 contract, then outputs those? Or like, how is that all tied together?
2: Um, Yeah, so they are going to be separate contracts. So we have our ERC-721 for the actual NFTs, the Dream Loops, and then... Uh, on top of that, we have a monitoring tool that's just monitoring the tokens um, you know, basically holder addresses and at X date, we then programmatically have an ERC 20 that's then um, basically sent to that same public address where the uh, state to dream loop is being held and then for redemption. All the user has to do is send us back that erc20 some people have asked oh do we have to burn our nft no no no. you just send us back the erc20 token but um, in doing so that allows the users the holders to do some interesting things with the nfts because we can see that oh this has been staked now that you have the redemption token you could gift that to a friend and say hey here's a Dreamlip that's ready to receive its vinyl record or its cassette tape um just go redeem this at the portal on their website, and uh, they'll they'll send you out the physical copy. So, uh, we thought it would be an interesting, sort of tokenomic thing to see how the users utilize that. You know, whether or not they choose to stake versus sell, because the staking counter restarts when you uh, move wallet addresses. Obviously, so you do have to hold it at the same public address for that total staking period. So. Um, yeah, there's there's a few things there. And, and I would say the model probably isn't perfect for uh, for subsequent releases, we will likely maybe change up the staking period or, or play with it in some way. Um, we're still sort of uh, soliciting community feedback to see you know, how people feel about it. So far, no one's really given us any pushback and they tend to like the model. Um, it also incentivizes people to hold their dream loops rather than to immediately you know, flip them on the markets and the like. So we're cognizant of that.
0: Where do you stake them? Like, is there a website that you go to to stake them?
2: No, all automatic. So we do all the monitoring for the user. We we wanted to make it as simple as possible. I mean, I know some users are, you know, super um, knowledgeable about how to, you know, stake or set up nodes with various... you know, cryptocurrencies or erc20s i do it myself in a number of wallets but uh, that requires a little bit of technical know-how and i know many nft collectors are just buying and selling nfts through OpenSea on their metamask wallet well we w- didn't want to have to interject any additional steps there so they don't they don't have to do anything they just have to hold a redeemable nft a redeemable dream loop in their wallet and then we take care of the, the rest so at the end of the staking period we send them the token they don't have to do anything uh, in terms of downloading native wallets or anything of the sort, it's just uh, handled on our end. So we're monitoring it automatically for the user.
0: Got it. So you're just monitoring the wallets, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you also said subsequent releases. There, what? what so you're like thinking of doing another uh, version of this?
2: Yeah. So I'm not going to say we're going to do another Dream Loop. So we 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 wouldn't want to dilute, you know, the existing ecosystem by just making another you know, generative crypto, or crypto. sorry, pixel art NFT. But sort of from inception, the whole Bitlectro Labs uh, model was to do continual audiovisual releases. So one that we have planned is doing a full band release with Keel and and his band Starfucker, but with, uh, you know, different style music. They're not a chiptune artist. They are um, an indie rock band. So the music will be indie rock. And the album art cover will be produced by... um, a talented artist uh, that's produced a number of Starfucker album covers, but we're going to take elements of uh, of his design and turn those into generative album cover pieces, maybe do some nice animation. But the the broader model is to do subsequent releases with different genres of music, uh, different visual aesthetics, maybe sometimes pairing a particular artist with a the musician they like, or vice versa. Um, the goal is to really be something like you know, like art blocks, but for uh, music NFTs in the space. We, we want to have like a really cool collectible line of NFTs with a uh, physical media component that people be like, oh yeah, I got the le- latest bit electro drop. Um, and this sort of has some, some interplay and overlap with a trend that I've been observing and participating in on um, sites like Bandcamp, where there's tons of these independent artists and they do uh, drops on Friday, uh, where. Uh, a lot of them are selling cassettes, for example. Cassettes have some not, somehow seen a resurgence in the last last couple of years, which I think is really neat because that's you know that's from my youth. You know I was at the the tail end of cassettes when CDs were just becoming uh, popular. You know, and you'd go to a friend's house, and be like, "Oh man, you have that Janet Jackson album on CD!" Holy smokes, I'm still you know rocking cassette tapes and recording from FM radio. But so there's a weird nostalgia for that that's propelled cassette sales into the uh, you know into the atmosphere right now. So we're we're sort of um, hooking into that as well and making these really cool collectible things for uh, hopefully multiple artists and musicians like like Heel and his associates and um,
0: you know and, and musicians from other genres. That's the that's the goal. Got it. So, uh, is Bitluncher Labs like your full-time thing, Gabriel? It is. Yeah, that's
2: um, my primary focus at the moment. And uh, you know, I come from uh, cryptocurrency and financial technology companies. I've been in uh, you know the blockchain space for a number of years, but uh, NFTs have recently captured my imagination, and it's a it's a real fun project where you can you know, bring something uh, that makes people happy um, and excited. And it's it's art, it's music, but it's also uh, Cutting edge or bleeding edge uh, fintech, right? Um, tokenized technology. It's so it's really exciting stuff. So yeah, this is this is my full time focus is uh, bit Electro Labs.
0: I, I'm wondering, like, uh, how, what is your take? Like, what's your assessment of how this project has gone so far? Uh, I'd say uh, resoundingly well. Um,
2: we are learning along the way. You know, our drop sold out. In something like 19 minutes uh, which we were thrilled about and didn't expect you know we busted our asses um, marketing this uh, that being said we did it with a shoestring budget but with a very talented team of uh, you know artists like keel and a couple of um, great developers and um, marketing person and and me wearing five different hats as well and helping on all those fronts but um I think it's been resoundingly positive. We've got some great community feedback, a great group of collectors. Um, they've been enthusiastic talking about the project, running their own promotions with some of our assets, which is really cool. Um, and we're just continuing to do outreach, trying to talk like, talk with um, you know experts like yourself. Uh, we have some partnerships brewing with other potential NFT projects. Um, we're doing a series of parties in crypto voxels. We did our first one leading up to the launch, which was, uh frankly a smash we had like 1500 people through our um, crypto boxes gallery over the course of the party which uh, was incredible uh, so i think it's been it's been good and we're learning along the way um and hopefully onboarding some additional developers soon as well but um yeah i'm not going to say it's been perfect but uh, i think uh we've done pretty well and uh, managed expectations accordingly
0: It's been I feel like it's one that's underpriced uh, is my in terms of like the project itself, the effort that's gone into it. Like it's there's a lot of people creating cartoon like drawings at this point in time. And those alone uh, end up fetching a significant amount, primarily because a lot of people want to make them their avatar. I guess that just happens to be the community that exists today. It's a small group of people, uh, 10,000 people. If you're a band with 10,000 fans, you know that that's a pretty uh, decent size. Um, if you can, so it's a decent-sized market, which is just moving around right now. You know, this is this is just a moment in time for avatars, but I definitely yeah. end up collecting. You know, uh, I I bought one of uh, one of yours uh, on OpenSea. I missed the minting, uh, but I was able to go in and my luck with all every project I mint. It's basically it's, it's not it's not a good uh, outcome for me historically, but uh, it's definitely an interesting moment in time. And f- as it applies to collecting art, I'm like, well, this is really interesting because I have like I've paid for uh, loops. Uh, well, that used to be the, the, the model was you would just l- buy the loop that you want and, or, and use it for your like, podcast intro or whatever it is. Uh, now I go to Epidemic Sound and have an ongoing... It's like the Spotify of loops, essentially, but more than just a loop. I mean, it's, it, it's, it is a phenomenal platform. Uh, but I think of um, what you all have. I'm like, this is really interesting that I can go you know, select that loop and for an amount that I feel like is around what I used to pay for one of the loops, essentially get one, uh, yeah. which is which is um, yeah, which is really interesting.
2: Yeah, I, I think you you brought up some good points there. Um, and I think our initial sale price was was low um, within the sea of recent drops and collections that have launched. Um, that being said, um, we are working on some sort of like rebranding around the messaging for Dream Loops because we're starting to realize the appeal of the actual um, audio loops themselves. Like, we had hopes that, yeah, people would utilize these on podcasts, on Twitch streams, on independent video games because they could easily be background music for something that I could imagine in the Steam store. Uh, But that wasn't always at the forefront of our marketing and the way we were pushing these. And now a lot of our users have said to us like, Hey, like the license you have on these is quite liberal. Like, why aren't you guys talking about that more? And we're like, Oh yeah, uh, we should absolutely be talking about that more. And we'd like to see these take a new life, um, you know, in various pieces of media. So, um, Yes, I, I would say I think maybe they are underpriced currently. Um, we're doing some other things to to bring new eyes to the project too. Like um, without dropping too many details, I can tell you, um, Keel is um, uh, feverishly producing tons of new pieces of pixel art. Uh, the the uh, the contents of which I won't I won't disclose yet. But um, there's going to be some bonuses for our our holders, which I think will. Um, incentivize people to to collect and hold, but also in the, the process of doing new releases over the next few months um, and into next year, I think it's gonna be an interesting sort of series of, of releases from Bitlectro that start to put the works in context. Um, and, you know, I think as a collector myself, like not that I'm always a, a completionist, but it's nice to have pieces of different collections and, you know, whether it's comic books, trading cards, enamel pins, records, um, I'm one of these guys that likes to have a little piece of everything. And I think there's many many collectors like that that will uh, do the same with our collections uh, once we have more of them. And there's that actual contextual element of, of the releases. So we're kind of excited about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, doing this podcast has turned me into a collector. I was not a collector of, <laughs> of, of even NFTs up until the very beginning of this podcast. Actually, I think uh, I had not purchased an an NFT until multiple episodes into this. Uh, that Although the original podcast was not about NFTs, uh, it was about trading stocks and very quickly became an NFT podcast. But uh, I think what was um, like, I, I look at the one, the, the uh, you know, the dream loop that I bought and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to that. Like, that's not I'm not looking to like flip this. I don't even care what the what the price is. I was just like, man, this is a great price for this loop, which I'm going to use just for this episode. But I could see using it for like, it it is sufficient for making a podcast intro or something like that. Like it it is, there are some good, some of them feel like uh, whammies, almost like I went and listened to a couple that are like more heavy on the static or like, uh, I don't know, you know, what, what, how many bands of like the sound frequencies that can go through uh, 8-bit, but um Uh, Essentially, there were some of them that I'm like, okay, well, that one's not uh, at least not my flavor. But I'm also curious, like, was there anything programmatic about that aspect of things like to come up with these 10,000? How many distinct loops are there?
1: Well, there's 100 uh, songs like the melodic part and then there's 100 percussion loops. Uh, So, the combination of those two, you know, 100 times 100 is 10,000, so that was how we got that. Uh, I think in, uh, you know, subsequent releases, we're going to experiment with uh, more like tonal randomization, like, uh, you know, have a bunch of loops that are all in the same key, and like, you know, bass lines, uh, chord progressions, leads, you know, those will actually be programmatically randomized. That's something I'm experimenting with right now, which is it opens up some pretty exciting uh, opportunities and it creates some weird things that, uh, you know, I probably otherwise wouldn't just like write, you know, it's, it's weird combinations that are created. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting to me.
0: It's also interesting, you know, how audio gets displayed. There's upsides and downsides of the uh, of the audio. Like when we're thinking of, I go on art blocks and I collect a piece. I had a piece printed uh, that's here on my wall, um, which uh, like I can just go and print that. I can't do that same thing with audio. That's the only difference. I could get like a video. Uh, I could find some video display that could include... Uh, music or audio output with it but it is it is more uh, difficult to do that I bought I just had um, the async music founder on uh, actually today I was just chatting with him before this and we were uh, discussing uh, well how to display this that's something that they're actually working on right now is how how to actually present that information and and, uh, in the world of digital art it makes a ton of sense that music would be included but how the collector presents that and like holds on to it is something completely different. Um, like, would you want that eight-bit sound like constantly playing in your hallway? Like, <laughs>
1: definitely <laughs> not.
0: I think it would start to
1: drive you insane.
2: Quite true. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> that being said, I mean, I, I definitely think there's there's a need for. You know more viewers players mobile app integrations tablet integrations you know digital frame integrations for multimedia because everything's so visual focused right now um there's a couple creators out there um in fact one that we've reached out to i wish i could shout him out right now i'm forgetting the name of his brand but um who made a wonderful uh, digital photo frame that also plays audio, so you could cycle through and it would play a little clip, and then you could mute it periodically. And you can actually control it from a mobile app, so you could be sitting in your living room with something in the hallway. Yeah, you know, maybe you have a, a social gathering at your house. So you can decide to, you know, turn the loops on periodically or have it cycle even through a playlist of nfts that were uh music based so I, i'm excited to see where that goes like async art is a, is a great project um, and i was pleased to see that they were jumping into the music realm as well because i've been following their visual exploits um yeah just really neat and you know cutting edge stuff
0: so where does bit labs fit like was this the first project out of bit yes
2: yes it is yeah um the first of, of hopefully many um and we've got some extensions on, on Dream Loops that we're building out as well. So this this will sort of be our flagship, uh, premiere project, and then we're doing, uh, hopefully, you know, similar releases. Um, you know, I've already teased one, but um, we've got a few others, you know, potentially in the pipeline. But yeah, that was our first release, Dreamloops.
0: Awesome. And so, are you all like getting funding for this, or you're just uh, j- th- this is just a fully bootstrapped uh, business?
2: Yeah, bootstrapped for now. Um, you know, the nice thing about selling, uh, you know, out a collection is that we now have a little bit of working capital for any any discretionary spends, right? So uh, we're in a nice position where we can build some stuff without without worrying about it, right? Where where the paychecks are going to come from, at least at least for the immediate future. Um, yeah, um, and at least for now. You know, we're not really soliciting outside funding. I've i played that that game before in other startups, and yeah, you know, that's great and all, but um, kind of I'm really focused on you know building a sustainable business model where you know we're actually producing things and selling them and creating viable secondary markets and then you know and then maybe we can start entertaining the idea of outside capital investment but really'm I'm, I'm most focused on bringing some really just cool projects to market within the NFT space um, because frankly it's fun. Um, this is uh, an exciting thing I get to wake up every every morning to and mess around with so.
0: Yeah, the NFT space is very exciting. I'm curious for you, Kill. like, uh, in terms of, so I'm assuming you weren't touring because of COVID uh, was, the, was the main reason for that. But now after experiencing this and the sales that occurred with this um, and having it sell out, how does that influence your way of thinking? Because you're in the indie music space, like, what, I don't know, you know, what the, uh, you know, what the income potential is of a successful indie band. I'm sure it's pretty significant. Um, but yeah. Uh, like this is also quite significant uh, sale yeah. volume. Like, has this changed your way of thinking of your career?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, it's kind of put a lot of stuff in perspective for me. Like, um, you know, all of our music is up on Spotify and all these streaming services, but like the amount of money we see from that is minimal. Like, it's it's not a lot. You know, you get like a million streams, I think you maybe get like a thousand bucks and, you know, you got to split that with your label and then you've got four dudes in the band, it, you know, it's nothing. So it has put that in perspective. Uh, you know, artists have a hard time uh, selling albums nowadays. It's just how it is. Like, you can't, you know, we sell very few records, but we put, when we play shows, there's tons of people there. It's like, you know, all these people are just listening to our stuff on Spotify. So it, it's NFTs really are, it's exciting because it's a way for artists to make money off of digital media. And I think that's what's so revolutionary about it. Uh, You know, we can't really make money off selling records. And a lot of times you can't make money selling shirts because people are going on sites like Redbubble and bootlegging your stuff. So NFTs create this opportunity for artists to actually earn a living and not have to, you know, like we, we tour several months out of the year and, uh, you know, we love it. It's super fun, but it's also like a grind at times. And that's really the only way we make money. So it's cool that, you know, there are these new avenues opening up to artists to make money, you know, at home <laughs> and not have to be on the road, you know, six months out of the year, which uh, becomes progressively more difficult as you get older.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And it's really, you know, it's funny to hear, like, uh, we've gone full circle from artists uh, making money to uh, digital music and digital art, not making money, being underpaid. And now we're coming full cycle or full circle back um, to the potential of uh, making money. I don't, you know, I wonder what the a full market is of people that are willing to spend thousands of dollars a month on uh, collectibles. I feel like that's yeah. a fairly <laughs> small market. Um, yes. And I think we're probably even burning through the people that have some like cash savings from, you know, COVID and staying at home and things like that. And now they're being like, whoa, I spent $20,000 on NFTs here. <laughs> like, I can't keep yeah. doing this. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to like, you know, kind of uh,
1: figure out like I feel like what we're trying to do is figure out like what what a good NFT is, you know, I feel like the model is evolving. And I think that, you know, NFTs as they become mainstream, you know, they're going to be in everything like, you know, ticket sales, album releases, like I feel like everything's going to be start, it's everything's going to be paired with NFTs eventually. It's just the way things are going it just makes sense i mean you know you see now all the major labels you know all the big media companies are starting to launch nfts and uh yeah it's just crazy i think it. i really do think it's the
0: future so i'm pretty excited about it and so are you part of bitlectro labs yes okay yeah
2: yeah, he's our he is our co-founder now. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I work and, on I work on Vit-Letro stuff every single day, so it kind of is my full-time thing. Uh, you know, being in a band, you know, you you prep for tour and you work on records, but it, it doesn't require that much time. So I would say this is what I'm I'm doing with most of my time.
0: Well, yeah, this is this has uh, been really insightful. What are you know, you you alluded to some of the things on the horizon. Are there any other pro- other projects that you all own? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, um, yeah. This, uh, yeah, I,
2: I, yeah um, like uh, most recently, I just bought the you know lucky maneki cats, which launched what two hours ago. I also, um, I also got a yeah. few. Um, Wait, what are those called? Favorite, they're lucky uh, maneki. I I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But they're the lucky cats that wave. Incidentally, we have a lucky cat in our collection. Uh, no relation, but uh, I thought that was a nice. A nice tie in there, but um, they're, they're kind of cool, more on the generative avatar animal front, um, which is in vogue right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm i a crazy collector. Like some of my favorite projects uh, the Avogachis, uh Zed Run. Uh, I bought a Hash Mask when that launched. Um, I've got some of Strawberry, uh, the new Strawberry Avatar NFTs. I really like that uh, creator. They made a Game Boy game out of their oh. NFT, which is <laughs> another cool and, and strange retro thing. Um, what else? Crypto voxels
1: um, wearables. I'm into those.
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah. We've got we've got our few favorites. Um, yeah. What else? I'm sure I could go to my OpenSea right now and find a half dozen other projects I'm forgetting. But um, yeah,
0: I just bought into one today and then immediately sold it. I've done that a co- I did I did that over the weekend as well. Um, Which
2: project, if you uh, care to share? The
0: the one this weekend was uh was the what were they bear. Uh, the bulls, uh, yes, the, 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 so yeah, but I, 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 I was like, this is so there's too many of these. Like I can't, I can't hold all of them. I, I bought bored apes really early. I got in at like 0.14. Um, Smart. and, uh, and so that one's done really well. I'm still holding them for better or worse. Uh, I was telling my fiance, I was like, I have a $35,000 portfolio of <laughs> apes and puppies uh, I should probably God. sell some, and I should have, because now it's down from thirty eight <sighs> to like twenty, and I'm like, this yeah. is this is stupid, like this <laughs> this is this is, yeah. this is irrational. Um, it's hard, uh, but you also get attached to them, so it's like just a, yeah. uh, it's 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 really difficult, dude. The fact that we're discussing that I minted another one today, which was some wizard one. That there's this <laughs> cat one that showed up today. It, this yeah. is. There, there's so many of these at this point. This just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but,
2: but, uh... I, it's wild. I mean, and it's, I, you know, I hate drawing the analogies to past, you know, boom and bust cycles for consumer goods, for example. So I'm not going to name projects that are um, things in our recent history that we could relate this to. But um, yeah, I mean, it is crazy. But also, you know, in terms of total market capitalization and value here, like it's still, you know, relatively small in the sea of things that, you know, people spend money on or line up for like we, i think of like you know supreme drops with their apparel or palace or any of these boutique brands like people will jump online and you know, use automated bots to get in on these drops and they might buy a t-shirt mind you they're expensive t-shirts 50 bucks 100 bucks and then immediately flip them for thousands you know there is artificial scarcity in those markets artificial scarcity in, in nfts um and then not to mention like uh, non-scarce consumer goods like, um, you know, Funko figurines and the like. Uh, I mean, th- it's just crazy. And those are like, you know, they're these disposable, wasteful pieces of plastic. And here we are playing with digital goods that people have some, some affinity for. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And some of them are quite good. You know, that's the other thing. I I, I would be lying if I said I've never bought one. And um, yeah, it, it's. Um, it's, it's just a trip. Um, I will say, like you touched on an interesting point where like we collect these things and we get attached to them. Um, you know, near and dear to my heart is the field of behavioral economics. And there's an interesting phenomenon um, called the endowment effect, which has been studied to death. But it's uh, in a nutshell, this idea that once you own something, um, your perspective value that you would place on it uh, becomes higher than if, say, you didn't own it and you found it in a marketplace. So like some of the classic experiments that were done around this effect, they would uh, gift some participants in a research lab a coffee cup. They're like, here's a coffee cup. Thank you for coming in for this experiment today. They'd give them some bogus tests uh, that were unrelated to the actual nature of the study, and they'd say, uh, no, so tell me, um, tell me, Nick, if I were to buy this coffee cup from you right now, how much money would you want? And the participant would say, well, uh, probably 5 $6 and uh, they would collect you know, responses from those participants that they gave the coffee cup to. And then in a subtle manipulation within the experiment, half the participants would come in and they wouldn't give them the coffee cup. There'd just be a coffee cup sitting on the desk and they'd say, well, how much uh, would you pay for that coffee cup? And those participants would say, well, uh, $2, $2.50. So they'd come in with these valuations that were you know half the price ha- half the uh, the market rate than if they owned it, and, and I think with a lot of nft stuff like some of that comes into play like you know I bought a hash mask, for example, um, maybe near the top I don't I mean maybe not near the top, but it was when the fervor was at, you know all time high fever pitch and it's lost a considerable amount of its market value but i'm not going to sell it like that's my hash mask it's this little piece of digital art that you know maybe i want to display maybe i'm using it for my phone background maybe i'm going to put it in digital frame but i i don't think i'm going to get rid of it and even if you know even if nfts um you know go the way of the dinosaur tomorrow which i do not think there's a a chance in hell that's going to happen um i would still you know I would still probably keep it. I could probably go to my mother's house and find pogs from, from the nineties that I used to play with as a child. And, uh, you know, it's, it, yeah, boom, there's pogs yeah. on the desk. Nick, you have all this beautiful ephemera around you. I like it. Yeah. I, I could turn my camera. You could see like, I have like walls of like enamel pins. And, and, all sorts of random stuff. <laughs> I, if I took you to my living room. You'd see more of it, but, um, yeah. I, so case in point, I mean, humans are, uh, I don't know. We're funny machines with that stuff.
0: I just bought Pogs because it really was was representative for me. I went on eBay. No one pays. I think I bought like a bunch of these Animaniac uh, Pogs for like five bucks just because I was like that. And I bought this plastic thing for a, a video background. Th- this podcast is not actually on video, but uh, maybe at some point in the future. But I, I bought um, a super plastic item just because like the well for the, the video background. But it also just felt representative to me of what these NFTs are are all about. Is is these um, is this exact uh, format? So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And I I, I definitely agree with your thesis. I'm like debating uh, about the lucky maneki if whether or not that uh, I'm like well who told you about that? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, um, but uh, yeah, th- this one guy basically just tweeted, I'm buying 1% of these like wizards or whatever they were. And then like immediately they sold out in five minutes. The gas prices went up to like 250 from, from 30 when he tweeted that. And I'm like, this is insane. And then I, the problem is, is everyone following that person is also a speculator. So like then everyone dumped and like, I think I lost a little bit on that on that deal because I, I was just like, I don't want to hold like, I don't love this. Like, I just got it because this guy said it. I'll I'll take the loss and just get out of here because like, I don't want people to look at my portfolio and be like, oh, you got one of those. You got you got you got <laughs> you, you got hit with the wizard. <laughs> like that, that was. Well- uh- <laughs> The nice
2: thing is there's the hide feature on OpenSea, so like the the NFTs that you're embarrassed about, you just hide those so that no one can see oh them. The problem is they could then go back on Etherscan and see yeah, what's exactly. in your wallet. Um, yeah, but I mean to your point, like I've kind of lately only been buying things that I like really love, like visually. I'm like I'm like, do I like this? Like if I saw a print of this at an art show, like would I be like, man, that's good? And like that becomes my quick litmus test. And um So the cats hit my buttons. I was like, oh, these are well done. And I I was really curious to see what sort of variations they would have in the collection. Because I don't think they teased too many of their attributes out. But the assets that I did see, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I see a lot of nostalgia in here that I can relate to. So I I aped into that one. But um, admittedly, I've missed out on a lot of the Avatar crazes lately. I did buy a pirate. The pirate I bought and flipped. Because they had a cool, like, did you see the cypher thing they had? No. They have a... so in the unlockable content, I'm just over here promoting other projects. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they had this—they had ciphers that you could solve. So they were um, basically just encrypted private keys. And I need to check what the status is, but. Um, I spent an hour and a half one night trying to decipher one. And then I was, you know, plugging in the private key to MetaMask to see if there was anything in the wallet. And, uh, and of course there wasn't, but some people have
0: claimed them. I think puzzles have huge potential here. I've seen, uh, there's someone I, I reached out to. I was just like, can I interview you? Because they're like, you don't know who they are. They're very mysterious. There's all these puzzles they're creating and the puzzles are hard as hell. Like yeah. honestly, It's almost to a degree where it's annoying. Like people don't like solving incredibly challenging puzzles. They want ones that they can solve. So you want it to be slightly difficult, but not too difficult to solve. Some of these, it's like, like how many people have solved, like what percentage of people were able to solve this 1%? Yeah, that's too, that's too difficult.
2: Agreed. Yeah. You got to find that sweet spot where someone doesn't come in and just solve everything and take a large percentage or you find a way to... To keep them sort of under lock and key, where you know maybe each NFT has its own unique unlockable content, so that it's not shared across multiples. Um, but yeah, the pirate the pirate puzzles very difficult. Some of them were straight replacement ciphers, um, which is like the easiest form of cryptography. But anything past that, it was like oh man, there's some. Like shifting and other things going on, that you almost have to be a cryptographic whiz to to start to get your, yeah, your hands into that. And it, it exceeded my uh, the the amount of time I wanted to invest in it pretty quickly. So.
0: Which is which is uh, why like I, that's the one challenge. Like some some puzzles that are incredibly challenging develop a mythology around them, where whereas it, but like a random NFT project that in a market where everyone's trying to flip it. It's like that's that's uh th- these are people trying to make fast money and you're giving them hard money, like very difficult yeah. to uh, obtain yeah. money. Um Exactly. But yeah, it, it it is interesting. Well, I I really appreciate you all taking the time today to come on and discuss Bitletro and for the last moment there uh, speculative projects. But um <laughs> Yeah. H- how how can people uh find you?
2: Um, bitlectrolabs.com uh, links out to our Discord community, uh, our Twitter feed. Um, it also links you directly to our CryptoVoxless gallery, which is, I think, uh, a really neat way to experience our collection. Uh, we're having a party there on the uh, 23rd of July, our next party in our monthly series. Uh, but yeah, bitlectrolabs.com. Um, come on, hang out on our Discord and uh, give us a shout.
0: Will, will Starfucker be playing at one of those parties? uh that
1: is yet to be seen we might dj one okay gabe and i dj'd our first one yeah, the release party that and that was really fun gabe has his uh twitch stream up on the screen and i drove to vegas with him so we were djing live for the crypto voxels
0: oh nice what what yeah. like do you guys have your own venue um
2: in crypto voxels yeah yeah yes yeah we have we actually so um we lease a parcel from an interesting uh, company called MetaBit Broker, who owns a whole bunch of uh, crypto voxel spaces, and you can actually lease a crypto voxel's parcel from them. They they actually give you a you know physical um, you know, pa- not paper but digital lease to sign. You you pay your rent on the first of the month in Ethereum, and you get your space, and they give you admin privileges. But um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of wild. They're they're also associates of ours, and we work on on a few uh, side projects with them, but. Um, yeah, so we built this really cool two story gallery space. I think it's one of the more unique spaces in Crypto Voxels, but uh, the metaverse stuff has kind of been uh, another exciting aspect of NFTs for us as of late, and also a great place to display our wares.
0: Most definitely. And yeah, I've seen a number of, I went to one party or two parties, and actually, no, two or three parties in Crypto Voxels, which were uh very interesting events uh one of them was like a gallery tour where they were actually walking through and each artist discussed their painting and then there was another one where it was definitely more party-like and uh there was a live stream going on i think that's with the uh uh, the baby punks uh venue that they have um but yeah that's really cool well i appreciate you all taking the time to uh come on today
2: yeah thank you 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 very much it's a fun conversation and uh thank you nick
0: That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.